All right, let's go ahead and get into our lesson. First Corinthians chapter seven. You noticed I got a haircut. <clears throat> I got this haircut last night because I didn't have it last week or yesterday. I was looking shaggy. But you know the difference between a good and a bad haircut, don't you, Brother Nate? About two weeks. <laughs> About two weeks. <laughs> uh, and I told my wife, I said, don't, I hope nobody makes fun of my haircut. She said, that haircut is not what they're going to be making fun of. You need a lot better than a good haircut to make you look good. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I told you that we didn't have Sunday school last week. We had it two weeks ago. And I told you we were going to be getting into uh, Paul's now responses to the questions that the Corinthians had. We, uh, ver- chapters 1 through 6, we talked about issues that the house of Chloe had, ta- had told Paul about. And now... Uh, in that letter she wrote to him, she also said, and the people here in the church have some, some questions they want you to answer. And so Paul in chapter 7 starts answering those questions. Now, I didn't give you time to look at this, but look at, I want you to look at uh, chapter 7, verse 1. And I'll, and I'll tell you now before we even read it. I want, I want a couple of us, this is Sunday school, I want a few of us to... to uh, give me some feedback on what you think that this verse means, and then we're going to talk about it, all right? Uh, verse 1, now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, that's his introduction. Okay, we're going to answer some questions. And right away he says, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. And I'm not going to say what I think that means or what, what I've always heard that uh, to be taught as, but does anybody have anything that immediately that comes to mind? And you say, yeah, I know what that means. Uh, anybody have any, any ideas? Nitten doesn't raise his hand in school, so go ahead, Nitten. <laughs> yes, sir. So not to have any relation, physical relation before marriage. Physical relation before marriage. Brother Chris? Uh, okay. Um, and I do think... I don't think you're wrong, and I do think the rest of the passage kind of backs that up because he talks about it a lot, saying, hey, it's better for you to just be like I am. Well, he can't be, he can't be uh, going against what God says. God says it's good for a man not to be alone, right? Genesis chapter 2, he, he tells Adam, you need, you see, every, every animal has a partner. You need a partner uh, to make you whole. So I don't think Paul's going against that, but later in the chapter, we'll see this. We might not get to it today, but we'll see that he does say it's better for you if you're single just to stay single. Why? I think it's because of the persecution the church was experiencing. And he's saying, for me, for sure, imagine Paul's traveling and everything that he went through if he had a wife. The poor woman would be worn to a frazzle, you know? I mean, he was beaten, shipwrecked, you know, all these different things. Um, eventually, he's beheaded. Imagine if he had a family that he also had to care for. And he, and he tells the church that, I'm, I'm thankful I don't have a wife to care for because I can care for the churches like I should and care for God's work. But um, I don't know if y'all, any of y'all have this. I just, I've used it on my wife's phone, but I finally got it on mine last night. Thanks to Brother Josh. You can, if you buy an app, I don't know if y'all know this. If you buy an app, you can share it with up to six family members. But anyways, so she has eSword on her phone. Pastor talked about this quite a while ago, and I put it on my phone last night so that we can look at this. Um, so I'm not super proficient in it, but if, if any of y'all have this on your phone, I would like you to look this up, and if not, it's fine. But look up the word touch, and if you don't have it, I'm looking it up, so 
I'll tell you what I have here. But if you look up the word touch in eSword, and then you go to uh, our word, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, and go to that word, it's the Greek word is haptomahi. Now, I'm not a Greek expert, so if that's wrong, it's wrong, but haptomahi. And it says it's the reflexive of another verb, but it's properly to attach oneself to, that is, to touch. And then Thayer's definition, if you're looking at um, the uh, uh, definition from Thayer, it says to fasten oneself to, adhere to, cling to. And he says first example or first sub-definition will be to touch, just in general, to touch. Second definition is of carnal intercourse with a woman or cohabitation. Then his third definition is of Levitical practice of having no fellowship with heathen practices. Things not to be touched appear to be both women and certain kinds of food. So celibacy and abstinence of certain kinds of food and drink are recommended. And then his last definition is to touch or to assail anyone. So we actually have both of those definitions. One, not to have any kind of a physical relationship with a woman before marriage. And two, just stay unmarried. Uh, and so Paul very possibly is implying one or both of these. We, we know from Paul's other books that he is, uh, uses, he's good with words, even though he says, I, I'm very simple, I'm not good with words. He's very good with words, and he maybe very much have used that particular Greek word because if you look, if you look in your uh, e-sword, in, in the search for touch, there's a whole bunch of different uh, ways that word is used. And... Uh, but I thought it was interesting because if you go through this, I got to get out of First uh, Corinthians now. Okay, so if you go up further, and I'm and I'm trying to explain this to you with you out be, you being able to see it, I'm not good enough to put it on the computer. I mean on the screens, so you just have to believe me. But there's a whole bunch of places in the New Testament. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example: Mark chapter three, verse ten. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him. So that's the same Greek word that Paul uses here uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. My point is, God was not, Mark's not telling everybody the crowd pressed in to have a physical relationship with him or, or some kind of uh, um, immoral thing with Jesus Christ. So it's very likely that Paul is saying here, he, he's, he's kind of, so he says good too. This is another point I want to make. He said it's good for a man not to touch a woman. What does the, the rest of the Bible tell us? It's a sin. Fornication is sin. So Paul wouldn't say, it's just a good thing. It's pre preferable. Yes, sir. Right. So it's good for a man not to touch a woman. It's good to, to not engage in these behaviors uh, because you're you're called to a to a higher calling. Yeah. I, I don't think he's talking about celibacy or not being married. He's talking if you if you if you bring the context of the prior chapter, which I, I get it that he's 
saying that it's, it's, this is proper behavior not to engage in, in this activity. Yeah, and, and this is why I wanted to have somewhat of a discussion because there are, I'm not saying we necessarily uh, disagree, um, but yes, I, I do agree with you because chapter six, we just got through it. He's talking all about fornication and he was, uh, I believe, and, and I already talked about this at the beginning, especially it, it implies kind of that he's talking to the teachers. Remember that you've you've acted like kings and everything else. Um, so I don't disagree with you, Brother Scott. Um, but I did want to I want to go to this, too. And this is why I have this pulled up, too, because I told Miss Barbara a couple weeks ago. She said, hey, my Matthew Henry Bible says or my her his commentary. And I said, I have no authority beyond Matthew Henry. So if he, if I disagree with something I say disagrees with him, doesn't necessarily mean he's right, but I'm not going to say, oh, he's wrong. I'll go study it out. But this is what Matthew Henry says um, in his, in his uh, commentary. So he says, the apostle comes now as a faithful and skillful casuist to answer some cases of conscience which the Corinthians have proposed to him. Uh, those were things there whereof they wrote to him. And then he, then he gets into it. He says, uh, he tells them in general that it was good in that juncture of time, at least, to abstain from marriage altogether. So that's where he first talks about it. He says, he's saying that verse one is saying it's good at this time to abstain from marriage altogether. And, he, and then he says, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And in parentheses, he says, not to take her to wife. By good here, not understanding what is so conformable to the mind and will of God, as if to do otherwise were sin, an extreme into which many of the ancients have run in favor of celibacy and virginity. So he's, he's saying that uh, other religions have taken this verse and said, oh, well, Paul's, Paul's saying you should never be married, which then makes me, makes me question why do they immediately go to marriage and not you know, fornication, uh, unmarried relationships. Give me one second, Brother Nate. All right, so then he says, should the, should the apostle be understood in this sense, he would contradict much of the rest of his discourse. So if he's saying you should not be married, the rest of chapter 7, he would be contradicting because you can see very clearly, verse 2, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. So he's not saying don't, don't get married, but he's saying... I think one of the things he might possibly be saying, let me, let me put it that way, um, is it's good to just stay unmarried right now. Um, <clears throat> so then, uh, Matthew Henry keeps going. And at the very end of this uh, paragraph, he says, this expression also may carry in it an intimation that Christians must avoid all occasions of this sin and flee all fleshly lusts and incentives to them. They must neither look on nor touch a woman so as to provoke lustful inclinations. And then, he's, then he goes on to verse 2. Yet he informs them that marriage and he moves on. So he actually says both are a possibility. And that's why I wanted to see, you know, what you all think. Um, I was talking to my wife about this yesterday. And I said, I think, you know what, I think I'm going to have a little discussion first thing and talk about this verse. And she said, and then tell them what, what the right answer is. I said, I'm not sure what the right answer is. I think it's both. I do think that Paul was very much saying, you know, for, for now it might be good not to marry. I've always heard this passage as preached and everything. It is good for a man not to 
sensually touch a woman because of, before marriage because of what it leads to. Um, Brother Nate, you got a comment? Right. And if you look at verse 9, it says, but if it is not contained, the less than marriage will be better than married than burned. So, you know, it's not just faith that most men, you know, are going to get married because that is a desire, you know, to be with another woman, right? That's a natural thing. So, and, and Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, and, and this does, I don't mean this in a selfish way at all, but Matthew Hedder even puts it this way. He says, imagine the convenience of not having a wife or children. That's not a selfish way, but it is a selfish statement. The convenience, the, the time you would have, the the. Um, because it is our responsibility, it is our duty, if you are married, to take care of your family, to love your wife, to, to watch over her. Brother Scott? I don't think, and I don't disagree with you, and I, here's why. Um, um, 
and I, I was just looking up on Eastward that word burn. I hadn't made it there yet because I didn't think we were going to get there this morning. And, and we will talk about this some more later. But to both of your points, Brother Nate, look, so you mentioned verse 9, but if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it's better to marry than to burn. But look at verse 8, who he's talking to. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows. So I don't necessarily think that word burn is only saying, man, if you just cannot, if you cannot contain yourself, just go get married so you're not in sin. I think that uh, think about young girls and um, maybe a widow that, you know, we always think of widows as 70 year old, you know, ladies who have lost their husbands. But you can be 30 years old and be a widow. You can be 25 years old and be a widow. That woman is is still very much of childbearing age and and wanting to take care of a family. Obviously, that was her desire. She was married at one point. So I th- I think think about a, a young girl. Uh, Emma talks about this. She doesn't want to get married, but she wants to have kid. She wants to have a kid, right? So a single girl, as she gets older, 18, 19, 20, 21, and she's still not married, 22, 23 years old, a lot of times they want so badly to have a baby to be able to care for and, and a husband to be able to care for. That's burning too. They want that so badly. Maybe, and I think Paul's even, even making the suggestion here that if you cannot, uh, if your mind, if being unmarried, your mind is, cannot be solely on serving God because that's so much a desire in your heart go get married everybody doesn't have and he mentions this later everybody doesn't have the gift of continency everybody doesn't have the gift of not needing that kind of like Paul did did um and I I don't think it's that Paul didn't have a desire to have that loving relationship with a spouse I think he was able to he had the gift of be maybe self-control or whatever you want to call it to say for the service of God, I'm going to put that aside for now. Um, but I want to I want to look at this verse real quick too, because if this is the one I'm thinking of, uh, yes, go one page over in my Bible, First Corinthians chapter nine, verse five. Um, Paul is is defending his apostleship, and look in verse one. Am I am I not an apostle? And we talked about this at the very beginning of the. Of, of this series, we said, you know, a lot of people didn't think Paul was even an apostle. A lot of these, uh, these people, even uh, some of the teachers in Corinth and, and whatever, obviously because he's addressing it in the letter to the Corinthians. Um, but a lot of people thought because you had your 12 apostles and then Judas committed suicide, they replaced him. Where does Paul fall in line? And Paul says that he was an apostle to the Gentiles, and I believe that. But he says this, verse 1, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. Mine answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and drink? And then this is where I'm going in verse 5. Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord, and Cephas? So he refers back to Peter. Peter's married. We have we are allowed to be married. This doesn't mean that we are not allowed because we're apostles. We cannot get married. So I wanted to make that point too. That I I don't Paul. It never comes up in the Bible as far as I'm aware. But Paul is not even taking out of the question that he would never ever get married. He's just saying in verse in chapter seven. For right now, for me, because of the the persecution I'm going through and 
the work of the Lord that needs to go forward, it's better for me not to be married right now. And I would wish that you were the same way as me. I wish you would do that. So we're, gonna, we're not going to hurt any feelings today. We're going to move along. But I did want to have that discussion because I think it is both in, in different ways. Um, and I don't disagree with Brother Scott. I think 1 Corinthians, he's harping on fornication. And that word good there, um, I looked that up too, but I'm not going to take the time. But good, he's saying it's, it's profitable or expedient. So I don't disagree with him saying it's, it's very profitable for you as a Christian to abstain from a, uh, that fornication. But I, I, think, I think possibly he would be a little bit stronger about not getting into fornication than it's good not to. I think he would say it's imperative that you don't. But um, I've always heard this passage preached that way, that that's what he's referring to. It's good not to have a relationship with a woman before marriage, uh, a physical relationship, for, for obvious reasons, because of what it can lead to. All right, now we're going to get into our actual lesson. So what about marriage? Verses 1 and 2, he talks about the seriousness of marriage. And we already got, went through that. He gives specific advice. It's good not to touch a woman. And, and I almost forgot because I wasn't even looking at my notes. Turn to Proverbs chapter 6 real quick. Brother Nitten, do you still have E-Sword up? Yes. Can you look at this? I looked at it last night and I can't remember now and I don't, don't want to waste take the time to go look it up. Can you look up this Proverbs chapter 6 verse uh, 29? And see if it's the same use. Uh, toucheth. And I, I think I may have gotten to where I was like, man, it's, it's getting, we're getting so deep that I'm just going to keep on going with my lesson and I don't remember what I came up with. Now it's going to be Hebrew, right? Yeah, yeah. So. That's right. So I do remember reading that, all of that now. So it's also definitely implies lying with a woman, fornication, but it also is talking about striking. You know, that word is used in many different ways. So chapter 6, verse 26, and we'll go through 29. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her, shall not be innocent. To me, that very much implies the fornication, uh, uh, a improper relationship. And when I was studying through this, people used this passage to refer to Paul saying, you shouldn't get married. I don't know how they make the correlation because they're two completely, they're saying two different things. But they say, well, go look at Proverbs chapter 6. He's very much talking about marriage. To me, that is not. It says, he that goeth into his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her shall not be innocent. So I think I do agree with you, Brother Scott. I think if, I'm, if this is what you were saying, that this is more talking about fornication than not getting married, even though people go back and forth on it. All right, moving along. Uh, 
Second thing Paul says here about the seriousness of marriage is marriage is a may, not a must. It's not a sin not to get married, and it's not a sin to get married. However, God leads you. But look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, and now I'm just taking my sweet time because we're not going to get through much today, so I'm going to be turning to these passages. 1 Timothy chapter 4, go ahead and turn with me if you can. If, you, if I get there before you, I'm going to start reading. <clears throat> so if you don't make it, just stop and listen. But 1 Timothy chapter 4, you're all going to beat me. Chapter 4, verse 3, he says this <clears throat> about marriage. Forbidding, to, okay, let's go to, chap, to verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And this is his examples of departing from the faith, speaking lies and hypocrisy having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Verse 3, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. He says forbidding to marry is, is signs of apostasy. It's signs of, uh, <clears throat> I mean, look at, look at some of the religions that forbid it, especially in their, in their clergy uh, or in their priests or whatever. Forbidding to marry, sign of apostasy. So going back again, I don't, think, I don't personally think that Paul is saying it's good not to get married. In, in verse 1. Moving along, he also says, uh, Genesis chapter 2, marriage was divinely ordained by God. And I already mentioned that. Uh, and he comes to Adam. He says, it's good for you not to be alone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you a help meet for you, not a help meet. I'm going to make you a help that's meet for you. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13. We know this verse, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. So marriage is honorable thing. It's a may. It's not a must either way. Um, but I think Brother Scott, maybe uh, Brother Nate mentioned this, but the marriage is a picture of what Christ, the relationship between Christ and the church, and we know that. Um, but Christ gave himself for the church. He died for the church. Uh, it's precious to him. And I preached a whole message uh, on this before about how precious the church is to Jesus Christ. That's how the husband should love his wife if he does uh, Mary, if, if he, following God's will, does marry, that's how he should, should act toward his wife. It's not just a, uh, I can't remember which one of you said it, so I'm just going to uh, refer to it, but it's not a just a, oh, I, I, I have to get married because physically I can't, I, I'm, I burn. It's not that. It's a love, a, a passion to love your wife uh, that Christ gives us the picture of. And then uh, verse 2 uh, Paul, think about, the, think about the background of the Corinthians here. Complete uh, disregard for morality, uh, fornication, polygamy, no doubt was, was prominent, but he denies that in verse 2. He says, nevertheless, to avoid, avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. That's one, and I think that he, he purposely puts that in there to say polygamy is wrong. Marriage is fine. More than one is, is wrong. Um, all right, so we have the seriousness of marriage. We just got a few minutes left, but the, the sanctity of marriage. Look at verse 3. And this is, we won't open this for discussion. Well, maybe we will, but not today. We don't have time. But this, this is what we used to do in college, and I actually really, really enjoyed it because it makes you think, it makes you question the things that, Maybe you've always heard a verse taught as, and usually the uh, 
the teacher says, gives you a verse that, that uh, counters it and says, now what do you think? And now you're going, oh, I never saw that verse before in that context. But that's why I like doing that. That's what Sunday school, I believe, uh, is and can be. But he says here, very much uh, could be a discussion on this too, but verse 3, uh, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence. You may know what the word benevolence means. Most churches have a benevolence fund or a benevolence board. Miss Barbara? Charity. Char- it's kindness, charity, giving. So uh, in verse 3, he's saying, let the husband render unto the wife due kindness, due uh, charity, due care that she deserves, due benevolence, what she deserves as the wife uh, to this man. And likewise, also the wife unto the husband. Do benevolence. Now, you hear this often, especially in dating and different things. Uh, don't, it, it, it's not dating, but it, in like marriage classes, it's usually referred to, hey, don't withhold the physical relationship. But I think it's much more than that. Mar- marriage is not only a, a physical relationship. It's so much more. And I think that's what Paul's saying here. Let the husband render unto the wife do kindness. And I think the physical relationship is built into that. Um, Because then he says in verse 4, the wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. So it's an obligation, render, uh, and, and I looked up all these Greek words too, and that is exactly what these words mean. Render. Give it. You owe it. Okay? Uh, render, pay, pay an obligation that you have to your spouse, this due benevolence. Um, and we'll probably end with this, but uh, marriage is very much a selflessness, and that's what he's talking about here in these verses. Um, verse 5, defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinence, incontinency. But uh, verse 3 and 4. Let the husband render, this is a command, this is imperative, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise the wife to the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body. Why? Because it's a selfless relationship. This is not, uh, you know, you do you, you do you. I hate that phrase, by the way. We have, I have a friend that does, says it all the time. You do you. And, but that's not what marriage is. Well, you do your thing and I'll do my thing and we'll come together at the end of the day and share a house just because of the bills. You know, we don't want to have two places. That's not what marriage is. It's a selfless relationship. And then he says, lastly, and we'll end with this, marriage is a decision by both partners. Uh, defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time. And uh, <clears throat> I don't, I don't, and this is the pastor's job, in my opinion, or, or he can have somebody come in that's been doing, you know, been married for years and years and years and been doing lectures or whatever else. I'm not an expert on marriage, and that's not what this lesson is for. This, this lesson is, is we're very much a survey of what Paul was telling the Corinthians. Hey, marriage is important. It's one wife at a time, one husband at a time. Uh, polygamy is wrong. Fornication is wrong. It's good not to touch a woman. Um, but if you're going to get married, this is how you do it. This is, this is how it needs to be done. And, and it's so important because of, of the picture it is of Christ to the church. Um, 
I'm done. We're going to stop right there, but I wanted to make one more mention of this, not to touch a woman. I remember growing up where you did not touch a girl. I don't think it's wrong at all if you're, you know, playing volleyball and you slide into each other. That's not what this is talking about. Uh, I even had a youth pastor that one time. We, I was not there, thankfully, because everybody else got not hollered at for it, but got corrected for it. But we had, it snowed all the time in Indiana, so everything was always icy. And we had a girl in high school. We're going from class to class, and we had to go outside to do it. And she hit the deck. I mean, books everywhere. And not a single guy went over there to help her up. And he said, that's not what we're teaching, you know. <laughs> help the girl up, you know. But um, it was taught so strongly that we were like, uh, we can't touch her. That's not what he's talking about. Um, that chivalry should be there. If a girl falls down, help her up. If she needs the door open and, or a, a lady needs her hand held to the car, help her. But um, it's pretty obvious what Paul is talking about here. I think that relationship with a girl, don't, don't touch her before you're married because of what it leads to, fornication, and we need to be, it's important. It's not just because, oh, fornication is a sin, but it's the importance of that picture that marriage is, that that's why it's so important that we follow um, the purity aspect of it. But, all right, I don't think we have any uh, unmarried in here. Uh, especially not young people, but we're going to continue on with this. Uh, we got through five verses today. Yes. Well, Miss Barbara, actually, I have to think of Mr. Forbes too. So it's not, it's not. Uh, we're not necessarily looking at dating rules, but it, but it is, it's for all of us. I think Brother Scott was saying it. This is not just for. Uh, well, actually, I was saying it. Look at verse nine, or verse eight, to the unmarried and to the widows. It's good. So anyway. We're going to continue on with verse 6, but look at verse 6. I speak this by permission and not of commandment. We're going to talk about that next week, first thing, just like we did today, a little discussion. What is he talking about? I speak it by permission, but not a commandment. All right, so think about that through this week. Look up, look up your Greek words and all the rest of that. I'm going to do it as well, and uh, we'll talk about that first thing next week. All right, let's pray, and we'll be dismissed. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. God, I thank you for your word and how clear it is if we'll actually be stu students of it. And God, I just pray that you would help each one of us, uh, each that is married, God, that you would help us to uh, have relationship with our spouses that uh, is becoming of what you were to the church. And God, those of us that aren't, I pray that you would help to use that time and extra uh, effort and energy we have to, to serve you and to pray and to, uh, to be useful in your service. God, I pray that you be with this next hour, that you would uh, just be with our pastor as he preaches, give him power, and I pray that you'd open our hearts to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.